such a surprise, though. That made me cry. <laughs> bit like this. We're going to play a little game here, and I'm going to, uh, we weren't those close to each other. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put. share. Terry will tell you about that uh, a little bit in a little bit. But one thing to remember about trauma is this. My granddad used to have a saying. Everybody's granddad has a saying. Mine had his share. And it was, if you were to take all your troubles right now and you put them out there on the table with everybody else's, you'd probably take yours back. Because everybody's going through something. I know we all come to church this morning. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's looking good. Everybody's, everybody's wearing what their wife told them to wear today. And everything is, everything's happening. But I'm going to tell you deep inside, there's a lot of folks here that if I put my troubles out on the table this morning, yours would trump mine two to one. So there's no degree. There is no degree of hurt. There's no degree of trauma that's more important than anybody else. It's what you're going through. And it says it best in one of the best uh, messages that was ever given, and it was by Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, verse 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn. Man, it does not seem like to be blessed, I would need to mourn. But that's what it says. You will be comforted by God when you, when you mourn. Navigating family drama is hard, and it's tricky, and you have to be careful. I will tell you that, I will tell you that uh, it takes the whole family. It takes your whole family to go through something like that. You need your family more than ever. Uh, Terry will tell you about a couple of things that happened to us that maybe uh, we wouldn't have made it. Our marriage wouldn't have made it if we hadn't turned to God, if we hadn't had a good church family. 
you know, got to remember, one of the reasons you're able to navigate trauma so well <clears throat> is because Jesus, you're serving a God who knows what it's like to go through grief. You know, the shortest uh, verse in the Bible is my favorite whenever they used back in Sunday school. It was, it's in John, I think, chapter 11. Jesus wept. All right, that's my, that's my kind of memory verse right there. And, uh, but it's about Lazarus. It's about Lazarus. It's about, and it wasn't about the loss of his friend, although that was important. It was about the fact that he saw Mary and Martha. He saw them weeping. He saw how touched they were by the loss of their brother. And so they, they, just, they were weeping, and it touched his heart. That's the kind of God we serve. When he sees you in grief, he knows what it's like. He was there when he was carrying a cross. He was there when, uh, when all of that stuff was happening. He sees your grief, and he wants to come alongside you. There's all kinds of, of other uh, 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 examples in the Bible, and uh, trauma does, doesn't happen on a scale. There's only three reasons you don't feel grief, only three that you would not feel grief, and, and that's because you're out of touch with the reality, and you don't know how how serious it truly is you have no emotions which is not good either and the worst of all those is you don't have any love if you've got love then you're going to feel grief you're going to feel compassion for other people that's what the church is all about we're going to talk about that in a little bit and uh right now i'm gonna i'm gonna let terry take over okay so my whole thing is Describing what is trauma and what is grief. I'm going to give you a few examples of what our family has walked through. Not a lot of detail right now, but just an idea. Child sexual abuse, addictive parent or alcoholic parent, um, suicide. I'm trying to remember all of them. It's a, it's a list. Uh, divorce, um, death of a child, death of a parent, an unplanned pregnancy that ends in either abortion or adoption, financial stress, and the list can go on, on and on and on. The most important thing is that you have to remember that once you turn to God and all that, if you'll lean into him when you're doing that, it not just weakens the stress on you, it allows you to... Um, realize that you're not alone and that if nobody else is standing with you even in situations where you don't feel like you can talk about it you have God there God has your back he loves you no matter what but the what you want to remember is how you navigate that as a family makes a difference in what Jesus looks like to you and to everyone around you thanks you know We've got about uh, five years ago when we came here, we had uh, been visiting uh, our daughter, our beautiful daughter Shelly, had been living in here with her husband for quite a while, and uh, we, we felt led, uh, I think you've always got to listen to what God has for you, we felt led to move to Tyler, we felt led, uh, and it was a deep, deep spiritual reason that we came here, it was because of Emma. So uh, it was our granddaughter, and some of you grandparents will know those. That's the that's the reason. Uh, by the way, par parents that are going through uh, teenage years, that's the reason you don't kill your kids is your grandkids. So uh, so that's kind of what we were doing. We came here. About the time we left, we put our house up for sale in Midland. Uh, I told Terry to come on. We had one one sale that fell through. 
We had a second uh, sale that fell through, and Terry wanted to come so bad to be close to Emma. I said, why don't you just go on, and I'll wrap up things here. I'll get this house sold, and then I'll, I'll be along in a, in a few months. Well, during that time, uh, financial pressure went from, from bad to worse. We were paying our living expenses out here as well as paying our living expenses in Midland. And uh, one night I got up in the middle of the night, and I just went out. We had a pool at that time. Uh, sat on a diving board at about 2 o'clock in the morning and just said, God, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. I don't know where, why you've got me here. If you want me to be broke, I've done broke before. You can, you can, you can put me there, and I, I'm quite comfortable for most of our life. Somebody asked me last year how Terry and I made it through 42 years. I think for 38 years, uh, we were too broke to quit. So uh, I don't know if anybody feels that way, but anyway, I'm out of here as soon as I can afford to go somewhere. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of that's the kind of way it was. Two weeks later. I got the opportunity to do what I'm doing now, and uh, I'll explain that a little bit more better here in a little bit because most people don't know what I do now. But how do you navigate the trauma? Well, first of all, you don't give up. Many times Jesus comes through right at the breaking point. Right when you're just about to break, Jesus comes through. You got to do two things when that happens. Express it to your friends. That's what a church family's about. We're going to talk more than a little bit about that here in just a little bit. And confess it to God. Because God will take you wherever, uh, wherever you, he wants you to go. He's trying to do something in your life. And again, trauma doesn't happen on a scale. And you don't do it the world's way. Uh, trust me, I've been around people, and I have even tried myself to try to solve trauma and grief with alcohol or drugs, spending money, uh, some people have an affair. I've, uh, I've uh, not, not done that one. But, uh, <laughs> but most, most of the world will say, rub some dirt on it. Well, that's like rubbing salt on a wound. You know, you've got to be able to deal with it. But one thing to remember when you're going through that, and Terry and I will talk about that in a little bit, is you can be angry at God. You know, here I was trying to go where you wanted me to go, trying to do what you wanted me to do, trying to raise my kids the way you wanted me to raise them, and here I am in the middle of it. Here I am with a, with a, with a child that's passed away. Here I am with a child that's far from God and won't come to church. Then what, do, what are you going to do with them? Well, you can say, well, how can I be angry with God? I mean, he's God, and that's the reason why you can be angry with him. It doesn't face him, I promise. I've had my experience. I know you probably know. If, you have, if you've been mad at God before, there's a, my Bible's full of those guys. Uh, you know, Job, I mean, that guy had it, had it rough, you know, and he even sat on the ash heap, and he was uh, more than a little discontented with God. And, and you, you think, in this day and time, how can you be mad at God but he was. Moses, uh, the people were grumbling against him, and he got upset. Joseph was in prison for no reason, but they just kept on going. If you're angry with God, the one thing you can't not do is not, is not talk to him. Just keep talking to him, because I promise you, he's got something to say. Just so you know, those stools are not made for actually sitting on. <laughs> Doesn't work. Okay, um, I would say don't, I've got it all here, don't be afraid to meet your pain head on. It does take time to heal. Um, it says time heals all wounds. No, time doesn't heal wounds. What heals your wounds is that God gives you distance from the pain 
works with you to heal through the wounds. Um, it took a long time, I can promise you, for me. Don't try to ignore, deny, or shut down your feelings. The stress from doing that will certainly eat you from the inside out. Know that the enemy is just hoping to take you out of the game and will use all your pain, distress, depression, and insecurity to blind you to God's great love, compassion, healing, mercy, and grace. So many times in Scripture, God reaches out to us to comfort us. So here's a few examples. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Psalms 35, part B. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. John 16:33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Roy and I are big on music. We love all kinds of music. One of the, my favorite songs that we sing here at church, and they'll tell you the name of it, I don't remember, uh, but it talks, it says, you know, I've seen you move mountains, and I believe I'll see you again. He takes you through the valleys. He will move those mountains. He will take you through the sorrows. He will improve your outlook and how you feel, and you will feel the healing, even if it takes a lot of time. You will get there. There you go. So in 2003, we had gone to Austin, uh, Texas to help some people plant a church. When I say went there, it doesn't mean we were there working. And then all of a sudden, uh, we, decided, uh, we decided, well, let's start a church with some people. No, we were serving with some people in youth ministry. Our youth pastor went to Austin to start a church. We felt like God led us to go there. It was, uh, it was uh, probably the biggest faith moment in my life. We went ahead and we went ahead and quit our jobs. Didn't have other jobs until we got there. Sold the house, had another house when we got there, and that was in 2001. Two years later, uh, our son had come to live had come to live with us, and, and at 22, 23 years old, eh, I don't know if any of y'all got any grown adult childrens at home, but eh. and so he had moved out, but he had had seizures since he was a child. And uh, one day he had a seizure in the bathtub and he drowned. So we're getting ready to uh, go set up the church on a Saturday. We're going to uh, we're going to uh, get ready to go. We, we're we're in a school. Uh, we're starting a church there. We didn't have a building, uh, so we were meeting in a school. And a guy knocks on our door and he's uh, he's got on a suit and tie. I didn't know it. He was a police chaplain and he says, uh, "Are you Shannon Jackson's dad?" Uh, any of you fathers who have ever had an older man in a tie like that, you don't know what your boy has done, particularly when he's a police chaplain. And so I said, yes, I am. And he said, I hate to tell you this, but your son is gone. So we end up, so I end up, and like most of you dads, like I said, everybody processes grief uh, differently. I went into uh, management mode. 
this kind of, I remember it was cold, it was in January, I remember it was, it was rainy outside, and I said, well, that's a piece of bad news, because I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, for you parents that have ever lost a child, uh, it's from the time they're little, and you hear that screeching sound in the front yard, or you turn around in the store, and they're not there, it's your worst nightmare come true. So you sit there, and you say, okay, how am I going to handle this? And then for me, it was how am I going to tell Terry? And she'll talk about that in just a minute. But what you do is you go in, you let, get your family, you get your church family to come along with you, and the first thing you do when th something like that and you're hit with that piece of news is you don't give up. In Isaiah 7 and 9, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. You know, you got Jesus. We're all taking him out for a, for a drive here. But when something like that happens, and again, my, my grief is no, no, yes, that's a bad piece of news. There's a lot of you guys that are dealing with more than that. And I'm going to tell you that it's time to take God out for, a, out for a drive. I mean, really, through some rough country. And he's going to be there. I mean, he's kind of like the, the ram truck of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of beings, you know. He's, he'll, he'll be there with you, and he won't give up. And that's when you find out about it. That could, you need to get, not, don't be afraid if you're going through a tough time and you're going through trauma. Don't be afraid to get counseling. Now, your first thought, and I'm going to talk about Alex like he's not in the room. Your first thought is, i got to go to my pastor, and that may be a good place to start. I have found, just between you and me, pastors sometimes are not the best counselors in the world, okay? Uh, you know, I went to, I went to my pastor after, after, uh, after Shannon passed away, and I said, man, he was such a good kid. He was, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, oh, he's gone and everything. And he looked at me. We were over a plate of barbecue, thank goodness. He goes, well, isn't it great that everybody's a saint when they die? And I went, <laughs> and I was about to hit him. And I want to tell you, but, but he was trying to be kind because he'd known this boy since he, he, all through his youth group and everything else, he knew what kind of boy he was. But everybody, everybody was that way. But we got some good counseling. Terry, I'll talk about that in a minute. A good professional counselor, and I'm sure Alex has a, has a, uh, has a list of those that you could, you could go to. I will tell you one thing, especially if you lose a child. For us, we heard the statistic coming right out of the gate that, uh, that most marriages don't survive that and so we decided right away we were going to take divorce off the table uh, and we were going to get closer so one thing that Terry and I did at that time is we tried to pray together we tried to give each other space when we needed space but then we tried to get together and handle it uh, handle it together when we needed to handle it together it's so funny that day um, I'll never forget I was actually at work sick I for don't know I was a professional photographer studio photographer for quite a few years and um, I was in it was a Saturday of all days so you can imagine how busy I was but I felt really crummy and so I had called my boss and said can you get someone to come up here I really think I need to go home and she said sure and so she hung up and everything well the next thing I know she's calling me back saying I need you to go home right now because you don't feel good just go ahead and go home and I'll have somebody we never closed a studio, not on a Saturday especially. And I thought, okay. And I thought, well, I'll just wait for the replacement. I didn't know that he had called her and told her what was going on. And so I was waiting for the replacement, and she called back. She says, why haven't you left? I said, well, nobody's here. She says, I'll get somebody there. Go home. 
okay. So I go home, and I pull up in the driveway, and uh, the pastor's car is sitting out on the curb, and I thought, huh, I feel so crummy. <laughs> I do not feel like having company. And he meets me at the car, and he tells me what's happened. And all I remember from that point till probably mid-afternoon is screaming. All I could do was scream. And uh, I was lucky because he was in management mode, I was in screaming mode, so all he could do was sit there and hold me while I screamed. Because I couldn't understand why this child would go and do something like this after he'd been warned over and over and over not to do what he did. But luckily through all the grief, I'll give you a bit of wisdom God gave me. I grieved and grieved and grieved and beat myself up and didn't understand what I did wrong. And finally, God woke me up in the middle of the night, which is where he usually talks to me because I'm a blabbermouth, and the only time I can hear him is when I shut up. So he said, he told me, he said, that grief is not yours. You don't, that guilt is not yours. He walked his own path that I had for him. It was not your path to walk. Let it go. And the healing started. But what what I would tell you is you need to be the church. That day when we got, when I got home after all of the screaming and crying and everything, when I finally went into a catatonic state basically, all I know is that we had a brand new church. Literally, we had opened you know, on um, Easter Sunday of 2002. He passed in January of 2003. We were a brand new church. And all of a sudden, my living room and kitchen and everything, my house was full of people. And it was just amazing to watch most of them new believers, and all they did was show up. They didn't have to say anything. So I would tell you, don't be afraid to be the church. Don't worry about having the right words, because sometimes just your love and compassion is what will count. Don't be afraid to just sit quietly and listen and to call and check on somebody. I promise you, if God has put somebody on your heart or on your mind, there's a reason. Call them. Don't wait and think, oh, I'll call them tomorrow. If, God's, if, if all of a sudden you start thinking, gee, I wonder how Cassie's doing today. I know she's got a move coming up. Oh, I'll call her tomorrow. No, call her today because she probably has a burden that she could lift just by talking to you. So second, I'm going to give you this. 2 Corinthians 1 through 1, 4 says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When, we, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. With that grief, of course, came the guilt. As I said, I can beat myself up better than anybody. What I discovered was that losing my child was actually the straw that broke the camel's back. I had buried so much trauma and grief and pain from childhood on that his loss was what finally drove me to emotionally and physically non-functionality. I literally could not get out of bed. I'd come home from work, he'd say, you wanna go eat? Nope, I wanna go to bed. And if he said, no, we're gonna go eat, I would just start crying, because I just couldn't function anymore. They thought at one point I was having a heart attack. And so they ran me to the hospital in an ambulance, nothing wrong with my heart. I had a very wise doctor that came in finally. He had been with me all this time, but he never knew I had lost my child. He said, I just can't put my finger on it. Has something traumatic happened to you recently? And I said, 
well, not recently, about two years ago, I lost my child. He goes, you're in clinical depression. I said, okay, well, I was raised, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and march on down the road. It wasn't working for me. So he gave me a mild antidepressant. Um, within three days, I was beginning to feel like my old self again. And in the meantime, our pastor, who had, he and his wife, wisely, were in counseling as well, always, and they had us go and see her, see this lady, who's a Christian counselor. Um, with both of those things, I started being able to work through from childhood forward, and because of that, I was able to finally start climbing out of the darkness I had fallen into. I could hear my sweet Savior telling me he had me in the palm of his hand, and that my guilt and shame was not mine to bear, and to lean into him and trust him to heal me. These verses became my touchstone during that time. Psalms 116, 1 through 4 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. Psalms 56.8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And finally, in Revelations 21.4, he gives us a reason to hope and rejoice. He will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So... A lot of people don't quite understand because I'm gone all the time what I do for a living. So I'm a court-appointed receiver. What that means is, is we were leaving uh, Midland and I was called by, by some folks out in uh, far west Texas uh, to run a 138,000 acre cattle ranch that had a lot of oil and gas on it and so uh, and five family members that just like your family had more money, so much money that they couldn't get along. Yeah, so that was what I thought. If you had all that money, why couldn't you get along? Well, these guys thought they were in control of their lives. And so I did that, finished that up last year. Out of that came four more receiverships that I'm working on right now. And every one of these is about people that can't get along, family members that can't get along, all kinds of trauma. All kind, I mean, I've seen fist fights in the courthouse between two brothers. I've seen all of those things. And every day I just... I just go and show up and try to show Jesus in what I'm doing. So that's, uh, that's the thing that, that kind of sets me up. So people always ask me, well, how did you get to doing what you're doing? It's all this stuff we're talking about today. It's about losing a child. It's about uh, when, uh, when uh, my oldest daughter came to see us when we were living in Abilene. And uh, for you parents that have got, uh, that got grown children and uh, with her kids, she's saying, I don't think my husband and I can make it anymore. And we thought, we might move over here uh, with you and mom yeah and uh, I did what I did what uh, what most dads would do at that point I said gee that'd be great we'd love to have y'all around 
And then, uh, and then uh, of course, the most traumatic one, we thought we were supposed to be here. We never knew quite what reason. Uh, and then a little over two years ago, uh, this beautiful girl that was on the, on the uh, uh, screen who had gone to Christian College out at, uh, out at Liberty, had gone out to Lynchburg to serve the Lord and, uh, and find the perfect man and everything, we found out that uh, that, that man had, had made some mistakes and was going to go away to jail. So we're going to sit. We're sitting here trying to help her and her two kids, and try to nav- navigate that. Well, how do I get set up for doing what I do every day? I've, I've navigated a lot of trauma in my life, and you know what? Again, it's no more than what you guys are going through. Like I said, I think if I could, if I could go home and have a private conversation with each one of you, I would find out that there's more trauma there than I've experienced in my life. So. Why are you going through this trauma? Well, first of all, God's molding you. Trusting God, he draws you close, and he's building your faith. He's molding you into his image. I'm talking about somebody, like I said, that has gone through grief. When we decide, and so those are the things that, that he's doing this for, and you need to decide why my two pages went together. You're going to have to, oh, yeah. So, and, and why does he do that? It's like David and Goliath. It's like David and Goliath. You know, if you'll remember, Saul was going, you're a boy. How are you going to go out and you're going to fight this big Philistine guy? How are you going to do all of that? And, uh, and he, says th- he says this, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord, I love this, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. That's what it's all about. That's about every one of the traumas that you've gone through has not been wasted they're there just, uh, just so that you can help other people and so that you can build your faith. I would encourage you to have each other's backs. No one could or know my pain like Roy could because we were in the same pain. Great trauma or grief can either drive you apart or make you a stronger unit able to fight against the darkness. When we had to decide where to bury our child, we made the decision to take him back to Midland, where he was raised. Many did not understand why, even my own family, but on the day of his funeral, not only did members of our brand new church in Austin drive up to attend, but the church was full from so many in Midland. We used to joke because he would change girlfriends and jobs like you change underwear. So we'd say, that side was his former employers, that side is his former girlfriends, and this is the rest of us. So, um, if we had not understood why we kept going week after week, year after year, that day explained it all to us, to our family, and to his friends. The church wasn't full because we were some great family. The church was full because they had invested in us. They invested their time and their love in our family. And we, in turn, had invested our time and love into them. We had done life together. I can't think of a stronger encouragement for you to have to find a small group, a life group. That's who will hold you up in times of great trauma. 
They are your family. Your family, when you are in great trauma, will not be able to hold you up because they're in trauma too. So find you a life group. It's vital to your survival, I think. All right, wrapping it up, there's two things. I'll reiterate what Terry just said. That's a big word. Uh, I'll remind you of what Terry just said. If you're not in a life group, you're missing it. And Randy didn't just pay me to say that. Uh, That's that is absolutely the truth. I tell people all the time. We went and helped start a church. We love the church. But I'm going to tell you something again. Aside from Alex, if I was just coming for the preaching on Sunday morning, I I wouldn't be a part of the church. I need you, and I hope you need me because we need to help. each other up. You never know when you're going to get that phone call. You never know when that man's going to show up on your porch. You never know. So you've got to be you've got to be strong enough to tell somebody else, I'm hurting. I've got a problem. And then you've got to be receptive enough that when somebody tells you they're hurting, you say, "Come on, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's go out and 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 have lunch. Let's let's come along beside you and do that." And the reason why you do that I'm going to tell you, the last thing we're going to tell you is, is because we're not home yet. Why is grief and why does trauma come into your life? We're not built for this place. This isn't where we're supposed to stay. Millions and millions of years, we're going to be have no, no trauma, no grief. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there wearing my pink shirt. It's going to be fantastic. But for today, this isn't heaven yet. So today, if you don't know that you have that promise of heaven, if you don't know you have that hope, go see Pastor Alex, come see me, come see Terry, come see somebody, because we can give you that hope today. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the fact that that you're there for us, that we can lean on you no matter what it is. And God, just give us your comfort today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.